Greetings. I'm Reverend Dr. F. Lewis Johnson, and this is Collage, a podcast of unique combinations of people and conversation on various things that matter and make a difference. Regarded as the Dean of Preachers, the late Reverend Dr. Gardner Calvin Taylor pronounced before the end of the last century, the 21st century cleric faces a unique challenge in clarifying the application of the gospel to personal behavior, one's civic orientation, individual political choices, stewardship, healthcare and management, intercultural relations, and view of the world. To discuss this and other considerations of faith in the public square, I'm joined by a good brother. Justin Gibbony is an attorney, political strategist, and ordained minister in Atlanta, Georgia. He is the co-founder and president of the AND Campaign, Coalition of Urban Christians, who are determined to address the social political arena with the compassion and conviction of the gospel of Jesus to Christ. He's the co-author of Compassion and Conviction, the AND Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement, and he has numerous writings to his credit. I'm excited to have him, and I hope you will enjoy our time together. Welcome, brother. Thanks for having me, Dr. Johnson. Glad to be here. Right on, man. Now, I know that you meet at the intersection of so many things. Your biographical details are should be lauded and, and respected. You have been in the game for a long time, and you have not only a lot to say, but you you back up what you say with your actions and the work that you're doing. And I'm so grateful that you've made time to be with us on today. We can jump right into it, man. One of the things that continues to be before us is the defining and the realizing of faith in, in the public square. What does that mean to you? Well, it means that we bring the gospel everywhere that we go. Uh, I like a podcast that can start off with a quote from uh, Dr. Gardner C. Taylor. That's, that's, that's where I like to be. But I think one of the things that he, in that quote and, and otherwise, made clear is that you don't leave your, the gospel in the church. Uh, it comes with you in your personal behavior. It comes with you in the public square. And this is why we had the prophets like Amos and Jeremiah confronting people in the public square based on God's word. And I think we have to do that the same too long. And one of the reasons that Christianity kind of gets a bad name in politics is there was this false separation between who we said we were based on our values and what we did in the public square. So we might apply the gospel to certain issues, but not other issues. If, if it's going to make our wallet a little lighter, then you know we may not apply it the same way as we might apply it to other issues that uh, aren't so inconvenient. So I, I think that's what it means. I think if you're, you know, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, means that you take that gospel and you live by it everywhere that you go. Now, you take it with you, but how do you apply it? And I know that's a lot of your work um, in helping congregations, helping spiritual leaders um, realize that or bring it into realization or fruition. Talk to us a little bit about the uh, work of and campaign and its impact in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's all about application because to your point, we can talk about it in theory, but unless we really know what it looks like to apply it, uh, it becomes difficult. So one way that we talk about this, and, and this is kind of what our book is about, is compassion and conviction. Uh, we should know that the Bible uh, of the gospel isn't just a, a treatise of black letter law, right? It's not just do this, don't do this, and that's it. Uh, we need to know what, what God has instructed us to do, but we also need to have compassion. And so when the AND campaign looks at an issue, we say, okay, what does the compassion of Christ come into this? And what does the Bibles have to say about it? 
And in that, I think we apply it by saying, okay, how can I love my neighbor? These, there are certain issues that are within our sphere of influence, whether it's homelessness, whether it's a housing crisis like we have going on here in Atlanta. And to love my neighbor means to, to sacrifice to make sure that I'm, that I'm there. So for us in the AND campaign, that meant going to the city council and telling them they need to stop development for a while until they get an affordable housing plan. Right. To us, that's the application of God's love. We could uh, we prayed on it, certainly. And, and that is very valuable. I don't want to undervalue that. But we also thought it was necessary based on an understanding of a, a first John three type of love that we needed to actually do something that we needed to steward our influence uh, to help others. Man. Now, you, you talk about this model ship, uh, obviously centered out of your faith tradition around Jesus and prophets of old, and, and we won't take people to seminary today, uh, though it's not a bad place to go. At the same time, for those who have had encounters with religion and its, and its elements, you know, obviously we look at the scriptures, we have a canon in our respective faith tradition and practice. Uh, there is that which has been handed down on a historical kind of precedent and, and um, narrative that has been experienced. But we then have our own intelligence, our own reasoning that we apply, and then our own experiences. How do you help or what does it mean to help people navigate this idea of applying my faith in public, in public square and in, in everyday situations, when, if we're honest with ourselves, that canon, <laughs> that tradition does not always speak fluently or explicitly or, or accommodate and take into consideration uh, who we are. So in other words, like, I don't always hear partisan language when I read scripture. Exactly. And I, if I'm, if I'm out here for real, you know, everything, how am I supposed to take everything in the scriptures or in the, the tradition that has equally been oppressive or challenging to my everyday existence uh, historically? How do you navigate that and wrestle with that? Yeah, so I think it's 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 important to know that certainly the church has made mistakes. The church has had uh, poor interpretations. The church has substituted our our kind of own, our own agendas for what the gospel may may have to say. And so I think what we have to do first and foremost is is read the Bible and read it within community as well. Uh, we all come into those conversations with blind spots, with maybe things that we want the gospel or the the Bible to say that it may not say. And so I do think we need to come in there honestly. But here's another thing. We need to come into it with humility and understand that there is common grace. I believe in common grace. I believe I can learn something from my Muslim brother, from my atheist brother. Even if at the end of the day, I disagree with their end conclusions, I know that they can do good. And so what I try to do is enter into the conversation with a level of uh, what we call civic pluralism, with a respect for other people, with a humility about how I go about things and not coming with the Christian nationalism that says, I'm going to compel you to do what I think is right. No, I want to think through this with you, let you know what my values are, and then hopefully we can find common ground. And if there's a difference, maybe I can have a chance to persuade you uh, to see things my way. But if not, that's okay too. So to me, there is a hermeneutic for the Bible. So I, I agree that it has, has been misinterpreted, but I, do, but I do think if we read it for what it says, we read it as a whole and we have patience with it, we come out with the right answer, which tells us to love everybody and to really have a, a level of respect for people's human dignity. Yeah. Now, I'm going to help some people because just in case, because you dropped some multisyllabic words on yes. us. 
And so for those of them that didn't maybe know what the hermeneutic is, it's like you can't see them, but it's like these glasses I have on and they have a special prescription because I have some special needs with me seeing the world a little bit clearer. And that's that's the idea of this uh, this uh, the living the living out of the hermeneutic is the lens in which we see through the world. And I know you know that, but we just want to help our friends out here. Speaking of that hermeneutic and that lens, and you know how some have theirs tinted and torqued in some unique ways nowadays. When we hear about faith and its application or its living out in the public square, far too often the current exemplars of that almost, in many cases, are extreme in their examples, in their prognostication, in their speaking, and in their in their respective witness. In your work, uh, both in your, your exceptional book and other writings, and through the AND campaign, how are you helping to invite folks and um, instruct folk on this, this, this faith application in light of the many examples, some of them not as healthy, some of them anti-Semitic, some of them anti-race, uh, anti-race, anti-other in so many ways. What is the what's the what's the work of an campaign in that regard? That's a great question. One of the things that we try to do is present them with better and more faithful examples. And so I go around. I talk a lot about uh, Fannie Lou Hamer and the work that she did in the civil rights movement. Uh, I talk a lot about Frederick Douglass uh, and, and his perspective, his faith perspective and how he engaged the battle against slavery. One of the things I want people to realize, and the Bible even tells us this, is there's always going to be people who misrepresent the faith. Unfortunately, in our in our age, those folks had a lot of influence. Those folks were very loud and they had a lot of, of resources. And so that is the example that a lot of people think of when they think of Christian politics. But it's done. It's been done so much better, even in America, whether we're talking about the civil rights uh, movement and, and so on. We have better examples. I think we just have to bring those to the fore and then be honest about where those other examples go wrong and push back against those bad examples to say, hey, we don't stand for this. We're not going to be OK with it just because it says it's Christian. We want people to know uh, what this should really look like in, in application, as you mentioned. Yeah. In your work in democratic engagement, you know, you've been um, obviously a partisan at various times in your work. Um, you you have been active in in the process of electoral campaigns and and the like. What do you say to folks who believe that social justice <laughs> uh, is antithetical to kind of biblical values or in some people's reference to such uh, moral order? Yeah, I would say that you need to you need to read the Bible a little closer, um, a little more carefully, uh, because to, to say that is is really and I don't I'm not trying to insult people, but I think to say that shows a level of biblical illiteracy. I don't know. Again, I don't know how you read through the prophet Amos and he goes to Israel and others and says, look at the the impart the, the partiality in your courts. Look at how you treat the poor. He goes into the public square. and That's social justice. And I truly believe. I said this before that everybody cares about social justice. Nobody listening to, listening to us would allow the kids in their neighborhood to drink poison water if they could prevent it. Nobody's going to allow somebody close to them that they care about to go to prison unjustly if there's something they can do about it. Why? Because they care about social justice. The problem is, do we care about it when it comes into conflict with our self-interest? And that's where this idea that 
social justice is somehow bad, I believe, uh, mostly came from. You just can't get through the gospel. You just can't get through the prophets uh, and maintain that point of view. You can't get through James. I mean, we can go on and on and on, right? If you know the Bible and we're being honest about it, you, and that's where I, when we talk about that lens, the hermeneutic, we want a true hermeneutic because that protects us from those terrible interpretations that are very much more cultural than they would be biblical. You and I actually share in some work that is national in scope, that unifies and encourages spiritual leaders and their respective communities to be good citizens and stewards uh, by participating fully in the democratic process. And so uh, our good friend and, and forward, uh, author of the forward of your, your book, uh, Sister Barbara, <laughs> Dr. Barbara as well, you know, has been uh, a catalyst in creating this major network of, of, of leaders and, and work around electoral uh, activity and even reform. Where else can communities of faith and leaders go deeper into the work? Because uh, there is a myth out here in these streets and in these offices where, again, people equate social justice as a thing only for people of color and who are dis disenfranchised and so forth. They separate that out from faith. And then they also relegate our work uh, to GOTV uh, activities only or to things that are limited in scope. Through your work and even some of the most recent work that you're highlighting in your new documentary that I'd love for you to lift up, how are you helping us to look at a more broader scope of, of this, uh, this exercise and this responsibility? No, that's really good. And, and man, uh, Dr. Barbara William Skinner has, has been a godsend, has been such an excellent model for me. Uh, but one of the things that we try to do is, is we try to talk about and bring people into conversations through our podcast, the Church Politics Podcast, bringing the people into conversations about housing. What's really going on with housing? And are we able to have the what we call media hygiene to be able to get different perspectives to try to piece together what's really going on? Right. So there are issues which you point out that people think Christians on the left or the right typically typically engage. And we're really just saying whether it's healthcare, a number of other issues, Christians need to engage what is in their sphere of influence that allows them to love them, their neighbors like themselves, to be socially concerned about their neighbors. And I think you start doing that by giving people the information, helping them understand what's, what's going on with the folks across the track that really need their help and really, you know, could could benefit from some of the resources that they may have. And then saying, how do I go about this? Do I go about this as if I'm the savior and now that I've entered it, everything is OK and you just need to listen to me? Or do I come in listening and being more of a servant? Uh, and so that's one of the ways things that we do. It, for us, it always starts with kind of an education. It always starts with the theology of why we need to engage. And I think the obligation that we all have and, and should and should really uh, embrace uh, to help those around us, especially those within our that are suffering from things that are within our sphere of influence. Well, I tell you, brother, you continue to be an encouragement to me and to so many. Your work continues to be a leading light. I'm grateful for your example and for pedagogy and the, the practice that you employ where you are helping people see the greater possibility 
greater possibility of not only having their faith uh, aligned with the, the decisions and the actions and the ways in which they live in their everyday lives, but to challenge each and every one of us to be part of the, the larger political process and to do so in such loving and truth-telling ways, or as you like to define it, with compassion and conviction. We want people to, to go and find uh, greater detail about not only you and your work, particularly the AND campaign, and, and uh, that uh, information will be uh, shared along uh, with this airing. But what would you challenge us with as we look to bring our time together to a close? One of the things I always challenge people to do is to make sure that you're not the person that you accuse others of being. So we have this big divide between conservatives and progressives, and we don't dig too deep into the ideology. We try to keep things mostly on a, a theological level and apply biblical principles to them. But within this kind of rivalry, I think one thing that we tend to do is focus too much on the other side. And I'm, I, what we ask everybody to do is, where can I push back? Where, does my, where might my side get something wrong? And where can I really turn around and push back rather than just scream and yell at the other side? Where can I say, hey, we could do this better and this could help, you know, this, this particular issue might help us serve people. Sometimes you got to turn and look at yourself. Sometimes we have to uh, hold ourselves accountable and our side accountable. And then that gives us the credibility to really question folks who may oppose us uh, in a better way. Well, I am excited about what is yet to come. Uh, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it even entered into the imagination of all the great things that will continue to, to flourish because of the work and the diligence of yourself and those who make up the AND campaign. And I can't wait to, uh, to experience this new documentary. And what's the title again? So the documentary is How I Got Over. Uh, if you go on our website and you uh, subscribe to our new Invisible Institution uh, newsletter, you'll be able to watch that first episode. The second episode comes out on February 27th. Right on. Well, I am grateful. And all of us are a little bit smarter, stronger, and hopefully more enlivened to, to sharp been and engaged more deeply into our prophetic ethical witness or our public witness in faith, uh, committed to speaking and living out truth, the truth of our respective deity for those who have been created in all of creation. I am grateful to you, and I hope that not only uh, this has been helpful, but you will join me again soon for this podcast and help make a more beautiful, colorful, and perfect collage. Collage.